Loved, cherished, comforted. Welcome to the podcast ministry of Our Resolute Hope, where you will find grace, not just a concept or a doctrine of grace, but a person, a person whose name is Jesus, a person who brings hope, a determined, resolute hope that can sustain you and empower you to live courageously in this fallen world. Join us now as we learn more about Jesus, our Savior, our Lord, and our life. Greetings, beloved, and welcome to another podcast for Our Resolute Hope. Uh, I'm John Russin. I'm here again with Pastor Frank Friedman. Good to see you again, my friend. How are you doing? Oh, it's great to see you as well. We're journeying in a dark world with the light of the love of God inside of us. So pretty cool. It is indeed. A lot of things are happening for our Resolute Hope uh, recently. You just published a new book. Can you tell us what it's about and why you wrote it? Sure. I'll try to do that real quick. Um, Basically, um, I had understood that Jesus died for my sins and I was going to heaven someday but I hadn't understood that he wanted to put heaven inside of me in the person of Jesus Christ. I understood that the Holy Spirit lived in me, but I didn't understand all that that meant. And the bottom line behind that is you cannot give what you do not have. And so in 1989, God opened my eyes to what the new covenant was all about. I was still calling myself a sinner, didn't realize that I was a saint. I called myself a child of God, but didn't enter into the depths of what that meant, that as a child of the king, uh, that made me a prince. And just on and on and on we could go. And so as I began to experience Jesus more, Instead of waiting to meet him in heaven, I realized that that was the experience a lot of Christians have. And so I wanted to write a book to open their eyes to all that God had done for them and all that he longs to do in and through them so that they would come to realize that grace is beyond amazing and that they truly would be stunned by all that God is and has done and longs to do for them because only stunned people really know how to worship. And so that was really the idea behind the book was to help people open up the treasure chest uh, that Jesus has brought us in himself. So that's it. <laughs> well, my friend, that's an exciting, uh, exciting story. I know because I've known you for many years, uh, some of the journey you went through when you first became uh, a little bit knowledgeable of what it means to have Christ as your life. I have that same journey, some different details, but a uh, similar path. And perhaps one of these days we can devote one of our podcasts to sort of sharing this and uh, discussing how Father has used that in our lives to minister to each other and uh, how it's led us to come to this point working together on Our Resolute Hope. And for those listeners, if you have interest to get a copy of Frank's book, uh, you can do a couple of things. You can go to our Facebook page, Our Resolute Hope. You can find it there and get linked to uh, the site to purchase it. Or you can go right to our website at OurResoluteHope.com. You can find a purchase information right there on the website. So thanks again. Frank, we're going to continue this week to talk about a topic that we really just scratched the surface on last time we talked. And that's a, uh, the topic of fear. 
and the damaging effects that fear can have on us. Now, the world is a scary place. You don't have to do anything but turn on the news uh, to realize how scary this place is, but throw in virus fears, uh, fear of getting sick, your loved ones getting sick, losing all your retirement income. You know, that's where I am right now. The psychological impact of isolation uh, in our town in Arizona. Uh, suicides are up three to four fold in the past six months. Uh, family mm. abuse is up. Man, people are really hurting, Frank, and they're, they're searching for some solid ground, aren't they? Yes, John. You know, and, and ultimately, you know, just reflecting on um, this topic after our last podcast, um, you know, that's kind of a neat thing to have a week or so afterwards just to think. And, you know, uh, one of the things that we've been teaching for many, many years is that the number one need of a child is security. And we find that security two ways, by knowing, one, that we belong, and two, where we belong. And as a little kid, that where is not the one in authority. We understand that there's a mom and a dad who are bigger than we are, stronger than we are, smarter than we are. And so, and, and they are completely dedicated to our best interests. And so by finding that out, we gain security. Now, the problem for us is that we entered into a fall in the Garden of Eden where there was a lie that we shall be as God. We have believed that lie, that we are in control, that we have to be strong, that we've got to have answers, that we've got to have what it takes. And so very simply, it's all on us. And then we encounter these horrible circumstances, devastating circumstances, and we look at them and we say, uh-oh, I don't have what it takes. My batteries are not up to the demand. And I'm in this alone. There's no sense of belonging. There's no sense of someone bigger, smarter, stronger, who's going to take care of me. And the end result is that I've got this paralyzing, crippling, screaming at me fear that can devastate me in a heartbeat. Tragic. Indeed it is. And even when you have a long history of watching our father come through for us, the most current crisis that instills fear always seems to be the biggest and the most menacing and far outstripping any other in the past. And so this is the one that we really need to worry about. And all that initially, when we looked at Judges 6 last week, this is the chapter that talks about uh, Gideon coming on as a judge. And uh, at the time, the nation of Israel were uh, basically living in fear of the Midianites. Now recall, these are the people who were delivered by 10 miracles to escape from Egypt. Uh, fed manna, the, the cloud to keep the sun away, the shoes that never wore out. They'd been through all of this. And here they are living in people, in fear of people. And they sacrificed their rest and their comfort. They lived in caves. They sacrificed the ability to enjoy richly all the things that God gave them. And basically, they made decisions that were damaging to them and to them, sacrificing their life and their future just for the feeling of safety in the here and now. And that's, and that's not unique to them, is it, Frank? It's, it's common to everybody. No, you know, it's, uh, you, I think we could define it, John, as spiritual amnesia. 
you know, we, we've, they had had so many uh, times where God had faithfully manifested himself to them over and over and over again saying, do you get it? Do you see who I am? Do you see who I want to be to you? I am proving it. But then, like you said, that present circumstance comes our way and it's like we have amnesia and we forget about God and fall right back into, uh-oh, it's on me. And, and you mentioned it, but let's drive that home. Hiding in a cave, uh, trying to uh, thresh grain in a valley where there's no wind instead of up on a mountain where the wind <laughs> separated. Yeah. And, Seems and silly, just, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, my goodness. But, but you know what? We can't be critical of them because they is us. You know, we do the same thing. That present circumstance, and and I just forget about all that God has done in the past. Indeed. This one's different. <laughs> That's right. You know, and and that leads us to to maybe get a glimpse of understanding as to why Father says more than fifty times in His Word, "Fear not, fear not, remember, fear not." Because if you if you set your mind on what he's done, it helps to to hang tight with him when the rocks and the winds and the rain uh, get a little scary. Mm. We're going to jump ahead now, uh, and we're going to go to Numbers chapter thirteen and fourteen. This is the account of the twelve spies. You remember that account, Frank? Twelve spies, one from each tribe, mm. very very diplomatically selected. They sent one from each tribe. They sent to check out the land. They came back. And uh, two of them came back with a positive report, Joshua and Caleb. But 10 of them had a little different perspective, didn't they? Goodness, yeah, they, they saw big walled cities. They saw a giant race of people, you know, kind of like Goliath later on in, in Samuel. And I think what happened there is a vision problem, not a faith problem. Uh, the faith was the result of the vision. Uh, they saw the land flowing with milk and honey. They saw just as God had said it would be, but they also saw obstacle. And instead of allowing the obstacle become an opportunity to trust God, the obstacle completely dominated their thinking and they didn't even think of God they thought only of themselves and said, uh-oh, there's no way we can do this. And you know what's crazy, John? That's an absolutely true statement. There was no way they could conquer the land. But here's the key. God never called them to conquer the land without him. He never called them to do it on their own. But their eyes were so fixed on the problem, they didn't see the person of God, and tragedy was on the way. You know, it's easy to point fingers at them and uh, criticize them. They saw the miraculous delivery. How can they possibly make this silly choice? But, you know, we struggle with the same thing. I'm going to put myself in their circumstance. You know, they're coming back from the land. They all saw the milk and honey. They carried sticks on their shoulders. The grape clusters were too big. As an agriculture guy, I can't even imagine grapes that big, but that's what they brought back. So the evidence was in front of them. 
they saw it. But what they did was they took that evidence and they added to it. They said, yeah, the land is there, but you know, the land devours its inhabitants. So they added a little bit to the truth, sort of like just what Satan did back in Genesis chapter three, added a little bit to what the truth was. And suddenly the land devours its inhabitants. Everyone was huge and powerful. There were giants. We looked like grasshoppers. And so that basically undermined the truth that they saw. They discounted the truth as irrelevant because they were so locked in their fear. Their fear changed what they saw and gave them a different picture of reality. Boy, that sounds too familiar to be, <laughs> to be comfortable mm-hmm. because, because I, when I have fear issues, my, the objects about which I'm afraid generally are much bigger and more for my mind than they are in reality. Is that the same with you, mm-hmm. my brother? Oh, exactly. And you know what the bottom line is when, when I, I do that, I, I look at the present tense obstacle and I forget that I have a present tense God. Yes. Uh, you know, it, it's, uh, and I, I, we, that's probably the number one thing I think that we as believers need to understand that God's name is not, I was, he's, he's not a God in, of the past. Uh, his name is not I will be uh, future. I'll show up in the future someday for you. He says to the people and to Moses, I am. I'm a present tense God. And I need to remember that. I think that was the whole idea behind the manna. You know, when they wandered in the wilderness, God provided that manna on a daily basis. And what he was doing was training them. You have to trust me daily. And what happens in my own life is when I see that obstacle, that obstacle looms so big that I hate to admit this, but my God becomes so small. Yes. And that's my problem so much in life is that my God is too small in my eyes. And that's, again, a vision problem. Indeed. That has disastrous results in my life. You know, you and I for decades now have uh, have jockeyed this phrase back and forth between us. I know how I feel, but what is the truth? Mm. Well, they did just the opposite. They said, I know what the truth is, but how do I feel? And so mm. they reversed the phrase to disastrous results, didn't they? Yeah. And, you know, you've experienced this. I've experienced it. I'm sure our listeners have experienced It's very easy to do that because our emotions scream. Man, on a scale of one to 10, they come at me like a 10. And, you know, the spirit's voice, at least in my experience, is a very gentle voice. And it dra- those screams can drown out the spirit's voice. And then what I find myself doing is I've got to find deliverance from the oppression of these screaming emotions. So I take matters into my own hands and then I find myself often in deeper trouble than I was before. And John, I would want to add one thought for you to maybe reflect on. You said it. It's a key word, but I don't want our people listening to miss it. That very important word, but. Uh, I know how I feel, but what is the truth? You switched it. I know the truth, but I know how I feel. And Dan Stone, you know, who's now with the Lord, wrote the book, The Rest of the Gospel, presented a very powerful insight 
in that book. He said, you know, the bottom line for us as believers is that what we really believe is the phrase that comes after the but. That's huge. Uh, we should be saying, uh, this is a really tough circumstance, but my God is bigger. Uh, we say very often, my God is bigger, oh, but this is a really tough circumstance. Right. Dan was saying, what you really believe, oh, Christian, is the second phrase, the phrase that comes after the but. That's a huge observation. Indeed it is. And I want to pick on something that you've just been saying, specifically the pronouns you've been using. I, you, those are singular pronouns. But when you read this passage about the impact that the spies had, the lies didn't stay with them, did they? Mm. They, spread, they told the leaders, they told all the people. And then what did the people do? They believed the 10 spies. In Numbers chapter 14, hey, Let's dump Moses. Let's get us a new leader and let's head on back to Egypt. And so the lies were believed by the whole nation. Nazi minister of propaganda who said, if you lie often enough and long enough, they'll believe anything. And so lies can be very powerfully persuasive, not only in our minds, but really every person with whom we come into contact. So lies like a cancer, like a virus, really. It spreads very quickly. That's a powerful word choice right now, John, this idea of virus, because we're all thinking of virus with this corona. And so, you know, we have to become, if I can bounce off that, we have to become commentators. We have to become those who, when we receive a word, have to say, wait a minute, that's a lie. That's a lie. That's the truth. And we, we have to do that in our mind or we, we're going to allow the crowd, those 10 spies, uh, to influence what we think. And that could be potentially devastating. Indeed it is. And if you look at the consequences for not only these remaining spies, but all the rest of the nation who did not believe Joshua and Caleb's report, they wound up perishing in the wilderness. So basically the nation was on hold for 38 years while they all perished. And they missed all the blessings that God promised them. So that's important to recognize that when we get bound up with fear, it doesn't just disrupt the present. It costs us because we lose part of the future too. Mm. Boy, that's a, that's a powerful thought, isn't it? Yeah. You know, when I look at them, uh, Deuteronomy 25 is a very important commentary on these events that we're addressing today. God said there, I brought you out in order to bring you in. So I think when we look at the nation of Israel, we need to step back and get that whole picture with that verse in mind. It's not enough to be brought out of bondage by faith. We've got to be brought in to the promised land by faith. And that's where those people went awry and they spent their lives wandering in the wilderness 
never entering in. Now that's, that's so sad because, you know, a lot of people, John, look at those people and say, well, they were never saved. I don't, I don't know that I believe that because they had to take a lamb. If you remember the story, they had to sacrifice the lamb, sprinkle the blood on the doorpost, and the angel of death would pass over and they would be delivered from bondage. That is symbolic of exactly what a believer does. We put our faith in the blood and we get delivered out of the bondage of sin and death. But there's a second half to the gospel. We've got to enter into that same promised land by faith. I think of Colossians 2.6, as you have received him, so walk in him. And there's believers today that are failing to do that. They fail to enter into the promised land of the finished work of Jesus Christ, and they end up wandering in the wilderness on their way to heaven, but sadly never experiencing heaven on planet earth. And when we put that thought in this context, they're living in fear and insecurity and doubt and then trying to bring all their resources to play to try to fix that, but they're not up to the demand of doing so, and they find themselves very disappointed in God, thinking that maybe he's not promised what he thought he has promised, and that's not true. They're not believing him. Uh, they're choosing to believe uh, something else, uh, that it's on them instead of on him. And the result again is tragic. You know, I'm sitting here, Frank, listening to you talk and my mind's running. And uh, I go to Jeremiah 29, where father makes a promise. You know, I, don't, I know the plans I have for you. They're good plans. They're great plans. You're going to really love them. Now, sometimes those plans that he has for us take us through some places that we'd really rather not be mm. because they're a little scary, you know, like the valley of the shadow of death stuff like that. Mm. And, you know, honestly, we can choose to let fear rule our lives, just like those uh, the spies did and the nation eventually did. They chose not to go. They had a one-time opportunity to go into the land, and they said no, and they lost it. And so they struggled for the next 38 years till they all perished. So the fear, not only, <laughs> my goodness, not only has short-term effects, it has lifelong effects. It affects our children. Sometimes it's the things that we pass on mm -hmm. because all those, uh, those uh, Israelites younger than 20, they watched their whole families pass away. And I'm certain they knew the story of why this was happening. And so when Joshua came along a few years later and led them into the land, they were pretty gung ho, uh, ready to step in. Of course, they had their own fears that they struggled with at the time, but uh, I don't think they were going to make that same fear because it cost the nation so very greatly. What, an, what a warning to me as a husband and a father uh, when I wrestle with fears as to think not only of the present, but how are they going to impact my family and my generations that follow me? Mm. That's a pretty sobering question to ask yourself. Yeah, it is. I mean, what are we modeling? Um, you know, it's interesting, John, as you said that, the verse that popped in my head was from Joshua. You know, he, he did warn them, be strong and courageous and do not fear. So he knew that in that next generation was that same potential 
to have a God who's too small and you then have to function as God and you're not going to be up to the demand and you're going to fail. And so he likewise took that opportunity to say, I know how you feel, guys, but what's the truth? And let's live in that truth. God is able and let's claim the promise that he's given us and claim that land. Huge. Indeed, it is huge. And uh, the temptation is so great to sacrifice the future for the pleasures of the present. Ooh, what a that's line. Ex that's exactly what our father calls us not to do. Not only calls us, he equips us. We have the mind of Christ. We can choose as Christ would choose as we face these fearful situations. Well, my brother, it's been a, a very sobering time for me. I trust it has been for you because I'm challenged by the very topics that we're talking about. We're supposed to be speaking as experts, and here we are <laughs> wrestling with each other's words, saying, wow, I really have a problem in this area. Mm. And so uh, uh, as we wrap this up, my friend, any last words for our listeners? No, I'll bounce off the words you just said, John. Um, we are students in a classroom. And I think when we embraced faith in Christ, we are tapping into a God who's infinite. I had a verse pop in my head listening to Ephesians 1, that the Holy Spirit is the down payment of our inheritance. Now, ponder that. The Holy Spirit is God, and we have God, the Holy Spirit, as our inheritance, and yet he's a down payment. I mean, how can you have God and that be a down payment of more God to come? And the only answer is because he's infinite. And so that means we have become eternal students. And, you know, maybe that's what those... Uh, circumstances that we encounter in this fallen world are all about. It's a classroom. It's a lab. And as we are in the lab, we get to test out and find that God is indeed true to his word, up to the demand. And we now find him in ways we never knew him before and become stronger in our faith. You know, that's kind of what James said, isn't it? The testing of our faith produces endurance. So that'd be my final thought. Amen, brother. Thank you. It certainly does. I wish life were simpler, but uh, our big brother Jesus faced his challenges too, and he had to trust his father for every step. So uh, we are cast in the same mold. Well, thanks, my friend, for sharing the time with me today. Again, this has been John Russin with uh, Pastor Frank Friedman. Check us out on Facebook, Our Resolute Hope, and our website, OurResoluteHope.com. You'll see a link to purchase Frank's newest book, Stunned by Grace. We'll talk to you soon. Until next time, walk close. And when things get scary, lean in closer. God bless you Amen. all. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. We trust that you've seen Jesus today. And you know that no matter what you're facing, He offers you Himself, His own life. He wants to live his life with you, in you, and through you as you trust him and walk by faith in this troubled world. You've been listening to Our Resolute Hope Podcast. For more information, find us online at OurResoluteHope.com and check out our social media channels under the name Our Resolute Hope.